Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Um, Luke chapter 2 is a promise of great joy, and because of that, there's all these Christmas songs around uh, around joy and being joyful. One of my favorite Christmas songs is uh, is Joy to the World. I love Joy to the World. How many of you love Joy to the World? I know they did. They already did a Christmas special song, but I just really felt like uh, I should lead you into a little Christmas special song. Why don't we just sing this one together? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let me Sound good. Um, I was singing about uh, another song. It's not a Christmas song, but I grew up with this one. Jennifer and I, we were singing this in our house yesterday as we were talking about this message. Do, do any of you know that song? Um, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Stop it. That's enough, okay? <clears throat> but I was thinking of all these songs. There's so many great songs about joy, and I think we love those songs because I I really believe that as, as humans, as, as men and women, th- that's one of the desires of our heart. It's one of the desires of our life. Like God's wired us and put that in us to long for happiness and to long for joy. And we want it. We, we want to have it. But in the Christmas season specifically, I have found that it can be one of the most testing times of our joy. Think about the travel. My wife and I, we're going to have to pack up our kids and our, deal with our dog and get somebody to take care of our house. And we're going to have to pack up gifts and all these things. We're going to have to travel to go spend time with family. And that's going to be a test of my joy. Like, I know it now. Like, God has already, like, kind of told me, like, son, you're going to be tested. So just get prepared. Get ready, right? Travel around the Christmas season. Christmas shopping. That can be another time that can test our joy. Balancing schedules between parties and gatherings and festivities. That can be a test. Uh, your family can can be a test of your joy, not mine. Yours, but not mine, can be a test of your joy. But how do we, how do we find joy in this season and in every season of our life? Um, joy and happiness, a lot of times in churches, they, people try to pit them against each other and say they're different. And I, I would submit to you that they're really not. If you begin to study through Scripture, you'll see that there's, there's a word in the Hebrew and a word in the Greek that really captures both this idea of being merry and being happy and, and being joyful and filled with joy to overflowing. Uh, one, of, one of the words that you'll see, it means to be blessed. To be blessed by God literally means to, to be joyful, to be full of joy, to be full of cheer, to be full of gladness. Like That is one of the markings of a follower of God. And, and I think a lot of times we, we, we talk bad in churches about happiness. And I know that there is a false happiness where our happiness is built on our happenings and on the things we, we possess and on things that can be taken or shaken from our life. But I really believe this, that when you find true happiness, true joy, that, that it's not based on a bunch of stuff. It's not based on circumstances and situations, but it's based on something so much deeper and so much richer than that. I want to give you a joy definition really quick. This is one that I found by John Piper. Uh, he says this about joy. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling. Now, I think it's deeper than a feeling, but he does say this. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit 
as he causes us to see the beauty of Jesus Christ in the word and in the world. And that's a good definition. And, and I do like Pastor John here. But, but I felt like there was a few things missing for me as I began to study scripture. Um, great definition, but I just wanted to edit it and add a little bit of something to it, okay? If that's okay. Like, John, this isn't John's church. This is the church that I get the privilege to lead, so I'm going to take my liberties here. So here's my definition. I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying that I like it better, okay? Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ resulting in a choice to rejoice in every season. Now, I just want to add a little something to it. As you can see, the Christian joy, it's different from, from maybe happiness that other people that are not Christians have. Christian joy, it is a good feeling that we feel deep in our soul, but it's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not produced by ourselves. It's not something we just conjure up or we flip a switch or we turn that frown upside down. It's not that, right? It's deeper than that. And it's something that is produced by the Holy Spirit. And it's, and it's this, is he gets us to switch our focus over to Jesus. And he causes us to see the beauty and the majesty and the sufficiency of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the sacrifice that Jesus has made. He, he, he causes us, he helps us to see that. And when we see it, it results in a decision that we then have to make. Therefore, joy is something we have to activate. It's something that we, we have to put on. It's something not like a mask, something fake we put on, but it's something that we say, I'm choosing to do this. It's a result, and it's in every, se every single season. Good seasons, bad seasons, ups, downs, mountains, valleys. It's in every single season. And I want to break that down, hopefully, uh, with three things that I'm going to give to you. Um, let, let me say this as well. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase how God, I wrote this down, God is more concerned with your holiness than your happiness? Ever heard that phrase before? Um, I think that I get the point. I understand what people are trying to say, but I, I kind of have a problem with that statement. I think God is concerned with both. Holiness is important to God, but so is our happiness, true happiness, that is, and joy. I think he wants to give us true happiness and true joy, contagious, attractional, irresistible joy. And I would submit that happiness and holiness are not opposed to each other. I think holiness is the key to true happiness, and happiness is one of the truest expressions of holiness. You cannot separate the two. That's just my personal humble but accurate belief. <laughs> All of us are pursuing happiness and joy. No matter where, what each of us believes about God or life or death or spirituality, we all want happiness. We all want joy. It is one of the ultimate goals of mankind. That's why Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, he said this, it's the, this pursuit of happiness. It is the inalienable rights, God-given rights by our creator. That's what he said. It's the inalienable rights given to us by our creator. Desiring happiness and joy. It's not wrong to desire to, to want to be happy. It's not wrong to desire to want to feel the sense of joy in our soul. It's not wrong. It's actually normal. But how we pursue it, now this is what's vitally important. How we pursue happiness, how we pursue joy. Luke chapter 2 says that the source of great joy and the good news about Jesus is this. In short, that our joy is found in Jesus. This is like the, the, the foundation of this whole thing. If you ever want to find true happiness, you ever want to find true joy, it is found in Jesus, period. Like That's it. It's found in Jesus. I love this statement that Judah Smith says, true happiness and joy cannot be found in anything unless it is first found in Jesus. Family cannot bring us happiness. 
Amen. <laughs> Packages on our doorstep cannot bring us happiness. Even if they were supposed to be at some, delivered to somebody else's place and they're delivered to yours and you get a free, beautiful package that you open and you shouldn't have opened it, never mind. Um, packages on a doorstep cannot bring you happiness. Seeing your name in lights or on a brochure cannot bring you happiness. Landing that big contract cannot bring you happiness. A new car, a new house, a new computer, a new companion, hello from all the single people, or even a new coffee maker cannot bring you happiness. It just can't. True happiness and joy cannot be found in anything unless it is first found in Jesus. Romans 15, look what this says. I love this. Now may God, Paul says, the inspiration and the fountain of hope. We shared this verse last week, by the way. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing. Do you know that God wants you to have a joy that overflows? Not like a little bit of joy, joy on Sunday, but joy every day, overflowing. Look, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace. When? As you trust in him. That's the key that unlocks. In other words, it's when we entrust our lives to Jesus, that's when we find joy, uncontainable, overflowing joy. Philippians, Paul said it like this. My beloved ones, that is brothers and sisters in Christ, don't ever limit your joy. Do you know that you can limit your joy? You can actually limit your joy. You could probably limit it by limit it by limit it, limit it by watching too much news, I would imagine, right? You can limit it by being around the wrong person for too long. Listen, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. In other words, here's what I think Paul is trying to do. He's trying to make a connection between joy and Jesus. He's like, you want to limit your joy, then limit your limit your knowledge of who Jesus is. Not knowledge here, but knowledge here. It is that the more we know Jesus, the more we know joy. You cannot separate the two. Jesus and joy are actually synonymous. At least the joy he wants to give you. Psalm 51, David said it like this. I love this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I love that. Restore to me joy. So this tells us that joy can be depleted, that joy can, can be taken from you, that joy can be just totally zapped from you. And David says, God, my prayer is that you would restore to me my joy. Actually, he doesn't say my joy. This is one of the most misquoted scriptures. He doesn't say restore to me my joy. He says restore to me your joy, the joy of your salvation, not my salvation, your salvation. See, salvation is something instigated and instituted by him. It's something that he reaches out to us and he saves us out of his grace, out of his mercy. It is something that he initiates. We just respond to him. And he says, God, will you just restore to me your joy, that joy that comes from your salvation, the salvation that you provide in our life. See, joy is a result of a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not the result of a bunch of stuff. It's the result of being forgiven by God, being accepted by God, being loved by God, experiencing his presence and experiencing just his, his radical acceptance of us. There's a joy that comes from that. Hebrews 1.9, look at this. I love this. It's talking about Jesus. It says, you love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. Do you know what? Jesus had more joy than anyone else that has ever walked this earth. That's why kids like him. You know, kids don't like creepy people. They don't. They don't like to be around creepy people. Trust me, I know, I have kids. Whenever there's like that weird adult, they come in like, come here, let me tickle you. My kids are like, you're weird, get away from me. 
But when someone legitimately is like just fun and joyful and just like, my kids, I just want to be around them. They don't want to be around Scrooges. They don't want to be around mean people or smelly people with bad breath. They don't. They want to be around fun people. The Bible paints this picture of Jesus, not like the pictures that we have. We see this really frail white guy with like blonde flowy hair with blue eyes. He did not look like that at all, right? And he definitely wasn't carrying around sheep petting them. To music like, so weird. Like no kids would want to hang out with that creepy guy. No, no, they wouldn't. But the Bible says there were so many kids that wanted to hang out with Jesus that his disciples were like, we got to get all these kids away from him. And Jesus says, man, don't stop them from coming and wanting to hang with me. I bet Jesus loved to joke around. I bet he liked to have fun. The first miracle he did was at a wedding, turning water into wine. Okay, I don't care about your theology about wine. I'm just telling you, Jesus liked to party. Jesus liked to have fun. Jesus liked to laugh. And I want our church to be like that. Like, I want us to be filled with joy like Jesus. The joy of Jesus. Where we come in this place, we're not like, I've got to endure church. Oh, my gosh, I'm ready to hurry and get out of here. No, church should not be endured. It should be enjoyed. Why? Because Jesus should be enjoyed. We should enjoy being in the presence of Jesus, allowing his joy to overflow in our life. That's what God wants for his people. Look at what it says in John 15. Jesus said this to his followers. Granted, listen. This is called the departure discourse, John 14 through 17. That means this is at the end of Jesus' life. He is about to go to the cross and die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And so he's sharing with his followers, his, the, the people that have committed their life to him, he's sharing with them some very important things. If you were about to die, you would be sharing the most important things with your family members and your friends, correct? And so he gets them together and he shares with them all these different things. In John 15, remain in me as I remain in you. I'm the vine, you're the branch. I want you to produce fruit. Man, I want you to live life to the full. I want you to be used by God to do great things. He says all this stuff. And then he goes on and he says this. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. That is the joy that's in me. You've been with me. You've been rolling with me for three and a half years. You've seen my joy. I want my joy to be in you. And look at this. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's what Jesus says to him. He says, I want that to be in you. I want the joy that I have to be in you. You cannot separate joy from Jesus, at least the joy that God wants to give you. It's a joy that's found in a relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you this question. How full is your joy right now? Where's the joy level at in your life this season? I asked him to to give me a couple cups up here. I got this mental picture. Uh, I think there's some of us in here right now, if this was your life right here, this, this is like, where, where's your level at? I think there's some of you in here because of the circumstances of life, because of the job you have, the boss that you work for, because of some of the employees that you ha- have to work with that are driving you crazy, because of the spouse you have. Don't nudge them, please, right now. But because of your spouse and your relationship with your spouse, maybe not their fault, but maybe your fault, that you just find yourself, you are like this this season. I mean, dry as can be. You have zero joy. And I'm just here to tell you that this is not God's plan for your life. This is not his desire. This is not his design for your life. I think there's some of you in here that this is, this is about where you're at right here. You, you, you're like, I'm, I'm, I got a little joy. I got joy on Sundays and I got joy on the 1st and the 15th. <laughs> and then it's the 20th. Now your joy is right there because you've used a bunch of your money 
to buy stuff, right? So I think there's some, there's some of you, you're, you're about, you know, you're about right there. And, and then you come to church on Sundays, and I, and I bet, I bet you, get, you get filled up a little bit more, you know. If you would just spend time with God and his word and his presence, I mean, it would, it would, be, it would be amazing. But because today, Sundays are maybe your only time in his presence, then, then you, it's like you fill up a little bit, and then here's life. It just goes back down. But when you look at the joy that Jesus wants to give, he really, he wants it to be like this. He wants your life to be so full. I mean, because there's electrical cords up here, I'm not going to keep going and spill this water everywhere. But you get the point. I don't feel like dying today, okay? <clears throat> but if you could imagine me continu- continually pouring, illustration broken down, right? But if you could imagine me continuing to pour in this, I think that this is the picture of what God wants for you and for me. He wants us full, but he wants the joy of Jesus overflowing in our life. That's what he wants for us. Now, the first foundation is that, is that it comes from Jesus. I think about my own life, that in 2000, I was depressed. I was discouraged. At times, suicidal. Like, I literally, I was like, I don't want to even live anymore. I never thought through the plan of how I would take my life. I just thought, if I died from an overdose, I'd be all right with me. Like, that's how, how, that's how dark my days were. I was angry. I was violent. I would fight people. I mean, I, my life was a mess. And then I put my trust in Jesus. He saved me. He loved me. He forgave me. He accepted me. He declared my value over me. He affirmed the gifts in me. I mean, all of a sudden, this kid, 18 years old, broken, messed up, all of a sudden, people started saying this. There's something different about you. And you're... There's like, you laugh. I haven't heard you laugh in like years. People started to see a difference. Why? Because there's a joy in knowing Jesus. And the person that never has any joy, that's never experienced or expressed any joy, I would just submit that, that maybe you've never really fully known Jesus. That's my story. Now, let me just give you some clarity. Being a person full of joy does not mean that you have no sorrow. I'm not saying that you're just like, Always smiling, even when everything's bad. I'm not saying that at all, at all. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, I'm full of sorrow, yet I'm rejoicing. That is like the toughest tension to try to figure out right there. Like, Paul, what are you saying? He's saying this, that there are times whenever I go through grief and loss and tragedy and you, and, and you feel those things, but yet you can still have joy. Why? Because joy is not in your circumstance or situation. It's found in Jesus. Joy is in Jesus. Here's the second part is this, is that, yeah, joy is found in Jesus, but joy is also given by the Holy Spirit. It's actually, it's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. In Acts 13, look, it says they left the new converts or new people that just put their faith in Jesus. They found Jesus. They left them in Antioch overflowing, look, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit in us. I don't know how to even fully explain this. It's so supernatural. It's like it's something that the Holy Spirit just does and produces in us that we respond to. It's literally it's a result of the Spirit of God living in us and God sending his Holy Spirit to live on the side of the believer that the Holy Spirit begins to produce this in their life. I don't fully understand it. 
I, don't, I can't fully explain it, but I know it's something I've seen in my own life. Like, I didn't produce that. That just kind of came out of me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's almost unexplainable. Maybe a really smart person can. I guess I'm just not that smart. I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, this, this makes no sense for me to have joy right now. Like, my Jeep is dead. I don't even know how I'm going to get the thing started again. i got to call a tow truck. But, like, you know what? I'm just singing. i got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Right? It's like, this makes no sense right now. And the only thing I can explain is, like, I read my Bible that morning. I asked the Holy Spirit to come and to be with me. And he's just producing this through my life. Romans 14 says, God's kingdom does not consist of what a person eats or drinks. Basically, God's kingdom is not about a bunch of rules. Some of you grew up in a church that was about a bunch of rules, and that's why you left the church for a season. Listen, our church is not about a bunch of rules and regulations. That doesn't mean we don't pursue living a life of holiness. See, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. It's opposed to you trying to earn it. But there is an effort, and we do work to try to live you know, a life that's pleasing to God. But listen, we're not about rules and regulations. We're about a relationship with Jesus. It says God's kingdom is not about rules and regulations, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Rather, God's kingdom consists of God's approval and peace, as well as the joy that the Holy Spirit gives. Who gives us joy? The Holy Spirit gives us joy. Look at this, Luke chapter 10. This blew my mind when I was studying this. Luke 10 says this, at the same time, I won't read all the context, but at the same time, Jesus, 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 the Son of God, God himself, wrapped in flesh, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Jesus had to be filled with the joy that the Holy Spirit gives? Isn't that beautiful? So don't you know that if Jesus... The Son of God had to be filled with joy that the Holy Spirit gives. You probably needed to. Can I get an amen from all the spouses? <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 1, look at this. You became imitators of us, Paul said, and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. These are people walking through trials. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, I'll give you another one, last one. Galatians 5, 22 says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love and all its varied expressions, joy that overflows. It gives nine different gifts or nine different fruits there. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say to you, that there is a joy that you cannot produce, that can only be produced by the Holy Spirit in your life. This is why I think something practical that you can do every day in the morning, in, in the middle of the day, you could just say, Holy Spirit, will you produce in my life and through my life your joy? Will you, will you produce, will you do something? I can't do it. I have every reason. Maybe there's times you walk through a tough season. I have every reason to just not be happy right now. Holy Spirit, will you give me your joy? Will you produce in me your joy? Here's why I think it's important. Because if you walk around as a Christian in your workplace and you don't have joy, what type of testimony are you for, for Jesus? What type of testimony am I if it, with every time my circumstances change, I have mood swings? See, the Holy Spirit wants to produce through your life joy for your benefit, but also for the benefit of those that do not know Jesus. Literally, your joy becomes a testimony. Your joy 
actually, it qualifies you and gives you credibility as a missionary for Jesus in your workplace, in your family. God forbid this holiday season that me or you or anybody in our church, that we go through all, those, all of those family parties and all those things, and we just, mm, so mad. I, my prayer is that God would anoint you by the power of the Holy Spirit with his joy, with a joy of gladness. Man, that you'd have the spirit of praise on your life and on my life, that we would have that. Now, here's the thing. Here, here's the third one. Now, now that's, this may all sound like this is all just a work of Jesus and all the work of the Holy Spirit, and it is. However, the joy that God gives, it actually has to be activated. And it has to be activated by you. My third point is this. Joy is chosen by us. It's a choice that you have to make. We have a cultural phrase that we say here at our church. We say joy is a choice. Joy is our choice. It's our choice. We have a choice to rejoice. Doesn't that sound good? We have a choice to rejoice. We have a choice to, to we, we have to determine our attitude and our spirit. We have to, that is on us. The onus and the responsibility is on us. It's not on God to make you, you know, act like you have joy. It's not on, on the Holy Spirit to force you to have a spirit of gladness. It is a choice that we have to make. We are not robots. We are, we are made in the image of God, the Imago Dea. We are made in his image, but we have this free will to be able to respond to what he's doing in our life, his activity in our life. So the Holy Spirit could be trying to produce something through you, but without your cooperation with the Holy Spirit, it'll never happen. So we have to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Joy is a choice. Look at what it says in James chapter 1. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures that shows you that joy is a choice. Dear brothers and sisters, the writer says, when troubles, not if, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it. It doesn't say it is, but it says consider it an opportunity for great joy. It doesn't mean that you just, that every time problems come, it's like, this is, this is just uh, this joy thing being forced on me. It says, here's how you need to consider those kind of moments. Don't consider it like, this is just an attack from the devil. Why does the devil get so much credit? He gets so much credit. What if God is allowing trouble to come your way so that you can prove to the devil that even when circumstances change, I'm still going to be devoted to Jesus. I'm still going to be faithful to God. I'm still going to have a spirit of joy. I'm still going to have a garment of praise that I'm going to wear. He says, when it happens, when troubles come, now you need to consider an opportunity for great joy. Not just good joy, not average joy, great joy. It's great joy that will demand, it, it, let me say like this, great joy, when you and I have great joy, in spite of our circumstances, it will cause other people to demand an explanation from us. When you and I, like, we have that, that unreasonable, uncommon joy. I'm not talking about common happiness. Uncommon joy, when someone sees us walk through something, they're going to be like, I don't understand how they can have joy like that in the midst of this. How do you have it? And then right then the door opens for you to tell them about Jesus. See, James 1 in the message says like this, consider it a sheer gift. I love this. Consider it a sheer gift. Friends, when, not if, when tests and challenges come at you, come at me, bro, come at you from all sides. You ever felt like that before? It's like every side. Like every single side, I'm being pressured, problems. He says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. You know what shows the true colors of your faith? It's not when you sing these songs that Elton's leading you in up here. The true colors of your faith and my faith is outside of the walls of these church when troubles come, when pressure comes from every side. Will you crack? Will you, will, you, will you shift? Will you, will you change? Will you go negative? Will you go cynical? Will you go critical? Or will you go, you know what? I'm still going to have a spirit of joy. Yeah. 
I'm not letting that get me. I'm not letting this get me down. I'm not letting my landlord get me down. I'm not letting my boss get me down. I'm not letting that crazy girl get me down. I'm going to have a spirit of joy. Devil, you ain't going to do it today. Not today, devil. 2 Corinthians, look what, look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians says, we may suffer. We may. We may suffer yet in every season. Yet in every season. We are always found rejoicing. I want, to be, I want that to be said of me. And the reality is a lot of times it's not said of me. My wife said amen just then. <laughs> it's not in every season, but I think maturity, true mature believers in Christ, they can say this with confidence. I may suffer, yet in every season I am always found rejoicing. I want to be able to say that with my life. It, I'm under construction, like God's working on me, but I pray for the day that, like Paul, I can say, you know what? When I suffer in every single season, every season, Here's how you're going to find me. You're not going to find me crying about it. You're not going to find me victimizing myself. You're not going to find me blaming my boss or blaming this person or blaming my spouse. In every single season, here's where you're going to find me. I'm rejoicing. I want that for my life. I don't know if you do, but I want that for my life. Philippians 4 says this. Be cheerful with joyous celebration. In every season of life, let joy overflow. For you are united with the anointed one, Jesus. In the New Living Translation, it says it like this. Always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. It says be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for your life. Listen, you want to know what God's will is for your life? The number one question that Christians ask, what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is to be joyful always, Never to stop praying and to be thankful for all the junk you go through. That's God's will. You're welcome. Amen. Check, please. Like That's God's will. It's God's will for me to move here. It's God's will for me to do this. It's God's will. Listen, God's will is to be joyful always, to never stop praying, and to be thankful in every circumstance. If we could just get that right, I think we're going to live a life pleasing to God. He probably doesn't care where you work, where you live, what house you buy, this, that, whatever. If we could just land these three things, I think it's all going to be okay. That's God's will for our life in every season. Choosing joy is not like that trite saying, turn that frown upside down. It's a lot deeper than that. It's, it's doing this. You know, in, in Isaiah, I was telling our team earlier, in Isaiah 11, it talks about the promise of Jesus, the Messiah that would come. It talks about all the things that he would be and he would bring and his benefits. I think it's in chapter 12, it talks about how he'll give you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Have you ever had a spirit of heaviness before? You know what that is? It sounds really heavy, doesn't it? Spirit of heaviness. It's like a dark cloud. Like, here's what it is. It's those days when you just, you can't explain it, but you just feel, ugh, ugh. It's the spirit of heaviness. But he says this. He says that Jesus, when he came, he would replace that spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. But here's what I know about garments. I like clothes. I like fashion, okay? I had a bag this morning, and I had three different outfits picked out. Probably because I went to bed at three and I woke up at five and I just threw a bunch of stuff in a bag. Okay, that's the truth. But I had three different garments in a bag. And when I was getting dressed this morning, I looked there and there was this one, this one garment, this one jacket. And I thought, you know what? I'm not wearing that today. It was a choice I made. See, Jesus has afforded you and I a garment of praise, but it's our choice if we're going to put it on. It's your choice. Like You don't have to wear it if you don't want to. But when we say, you know what, today, I'm going to put on a garment of praise. Today, I'm not going to wear a spirit of heaviness at my workplace, around my kids, around my spouse, around my friends. I'm going to put on 
a garment of praise. It's not putting on like the world says, you're being fake, you're being this. No, no, no. It's making a decision that I will set the course of my life, that I will set my attitude. My circumstances will not adjust my attitude. I will adjust my circumstances with my attitude, with my perspective, with my spirit. I will wear a garment of praise. It doesn't matter what I go through. It's my responsibility. You see, see, joy is found in Jesus and given by the Holy Spirit and begins to get produced, which is simply a result and a response of just knowing him. But joy is not just a response. It's a responsibility. It's a response and ability come together to make responsibility. What does that tell me? That I have the ability to respond to my situation with joy. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Habakkuk says this in chapter three, even if the fig tree does not bloom, and even if the vines have no grapes, even if the olive tree fails to produce. And even if the fields yield no food, even if the sheep pen is empty, and even if the stalls have no cattle, even then I will, this is a, this is a decision, I will be happy with the Lord and I will truly find joy in God who saves me. Even if, even if, even if. Somebody just say that with me, just say even if. Even if I don't get the job, I will be happy. Even if I don't get the spouse, I will be happy. Even if I don't get a breakthrough, I will be happy. Even if I don't get the promotion, I will be happy. Even if I don't get set free from this and I just keep praying and believing and believing, I will be happy. I will keep seeking God with all my heart. Even if, we got to have an even if, even if joy, even if, even if I don't get that gift I've been asking my, my kids to get me, even if my wife doesn't hook me up with that top coat I asked her for. Even if, even if, even if, even if. Now, let me, let me finish with this right here. I'm going to finish with this. Um, I want to give you something very practical with joy because I think that there is a key that, that, that unlocks joy. And this is part of the choice that we have. It's a perspective shift for us. Okay? I think that, that joy, joy has this access point. And the access point is actually, it's gratitude and appreciation. You see, because happiness, the happiness that the world really, the world we live in, the culture uh, that we see, the pattern in, in humanity is this, is that, that we're happy or we find joy when we have what we want. But true joy is not in having what we want, but it's in wanting what we have. It's when we get to the point when we go, you know what? I'm going to look at what I do have and I'm going to be thankful for it. I'm going to be grateful for it. I'm going, to, I'm going to worship God for it. I'm going to have a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving for what he has given me. And when you start wanting what you have, it doesn't matter what you don't have. It doesn't matter. And literally, it begins to, gratitude begins to unlock joy in our life. That's one of the choices that we have to make. Joy, it's, uh, I love this, 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 uh, this quote right here. Anne uh, Voskamp said this. She said in her book, I think it's called A Thousand Gifts. She says, while I may not always feel joy, God asks me to give thanks in all things because he knows that the feeling of joy begins in the action of thanksgiving. Isn't that powerful? While I may not always feel joy, God asks me to give thanks in all things because he knows that the feeling of joy begins in the action of thanksgiving. In the action of thanksgiving. I want to encourage you this season. Let's put on a garment of praise. Yeah. Let's have a spirit of joy in our life. Yeah. 
great joy. And it comes from finding it in Jesus, being produced through your life through the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a choice that you and I have to make. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.